Welcome to Cyber Synapse, the podcast that's creating connections through cyberspace with conversations that are candid and are about human behaviour and technology. Brought to you by Kath Nibs. Welcome to this week's episode. Uh, this will be going out at the end of January, so this might be a little bit of a time for reflecting on those uh, New Year's resolutions. Um, today's episode is with Sean Wells and it was a fantastic episode. I've gone down a little bit of a rabbit hole um, over vasopressin, uh, um, which um, turns out is an antidiuretic and it's got lots and lots more properties that um, I hadn't realised. Um, so I've kind of found myself going off on a tangent there. But this is um, something that happens whenever you talk to people. Um, and this was also a major self-reflection um, so this was yet another podcast that didn't go in the direction that I thought it would. And there have been lots and lots of moments where I've um, wanted to record this introduction. Um, I've self-sabotaged. I've gone back and I've kind of had imposter syndrome about whether I had to ask the right questions, whether whether I even had the authority to do so. Um, and it, it's, it's really difficult putting yourself out there. And this is this is more so what I'm trying to do on the the podcast this year is is have real real connections with people and conversations, which I, it was an absolute pleasure to talk to Sean, and I I just found that there there are some people in the world that are genuine authentic people and Sean is one of those people, um, and it's really hard to convey that in terms of um, obviously my training I sit with people. And I can see their pain behind a lot of what they're doing. And actually, Sean, Sean talked about his brokenness is beautiful. And when, when I heard him saying that at the, the health optimization summit, when I sat and watched the film, I thought, actually, that's what I see in all of my clients day in, day out. And it is such a privilege to sit with people when I'm working with them in whatever capacity it is. And to see that brokenness, because that's that's everybody. We've all got a brokenness. And we've all got a story and it's what we do with it and how how we use that story. And I, I, I really want to emphasise Sean's compassion, um, congruency, transparency. It's, it was just I, I, I actually cried after the end of the, the conversation um, because I went away and thought, why? Why do I not have many more of these conversations with people? And whilst I have a fantastic set of friends, um, there's something about why am I not having these in-depth conversations all the time? Uh, that could be to do with the fact that I am a therapist and, you know, my family and friends don't want me therapizing in inverted commas. They, they want, they want to have a real connection. Um, and I have very few friends that I can do that with. So please do listen, listen to Sean in not so much in terms of listen to him. I'm not telling you what to do, but, if you can see if you can really pick up on how how true authenticity appears um i think there's too much as we discussed there's far too much about people being pushed in directions to to run themselves into the ground um to to kind of prove to other people who they are and actually all we need to do is be who we are um so again it wouldn't be a happy new year um because i know this is going out at the end of january um, and obviously, as I said last year, this would be probably monthly, um, and I'm going to try and stick to that forum because I'm I'm just massively busy, and that's me being authentic. That 
I worked far too hard in the first two years. And this is about being able to do those kinds of conversations at a pace where I can actually concentrate. Um, so thank you very much for joining me, especially on this conversation. Um, I have a fantastic one lined up for February um, and, and March and, and April. Um, I've already kind of planned those. And yeah, let's let's start having real conversations, real ones where we don't wear masks, um, even though Winnicott would call it the false self and the masks that we wear to the world. Actually, look behind the mask and what you'll see is broken is beautiful. Welcome to Cyber Synapse. Today I'm joined by somebody I'm, I'm really, really excited to talk to. Um, his name is Sean Wells. And for those of you who have no idea who he is, um, I'm going to start with some of your um, uh, qualifications because in the United Kingdom, I don't know what half of these letters mean, but you are a nutritional biochemist, a registered yeah. dietitian, you yeah. are a, a certified sports nutritionist, and the other things I've seen that you talked about at the, the Health Optimization Summit is you are cl a clinical, chief clinical dietitian. I think that was what I scribbled down. Um, you are an expert on the paleo, keto, diets, the kind of um, where we need to be looking at mitochondria. Uh, realistically, we are going to go from micro to macro today, I think, and macro back down to micro. So, yeah, thank you for taking the time to talk to me, Sean. Of course, of course. I'm excited to talk to you for sure. So the first, yeah, where, where do we even start? So the first, the first question I've got really is, um, why, you know, why do you do what you do? I, I, I've, I've heard one of your whys. Why do I do what I do? Mm. Uh, yeah, that's, and I feel like purpose is probably the number one reason to live and not die, right? Like that when we have purpose, like the idea of retirement sounds so bad to me, like because you, you kind of forfeit your purpose. Yeah. And, and then people seem to decline in health and die shortly thereafter. I want to fulfill purpose until the day I die. Of course, you can continue to redefine what your work is along with that purpose. I mean, work doesn't have to be hard. Work can be play. It can be fun. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's fulfilling purpose. So I definitely have purpose. Uh, I'm blessed to have purpose. I feel like a lot of people are very confused on their purpose and certainly need help with that. Uh, but I think the best purpose comes from events that have happened in your life and some, um, I don't know, a warrior's path that you've taken to overcome some things. Yeah. And you find purpose through that. You find purpose through the fire. And for me, that was a lot of physical and mental trauma uh, that I've been through. Mm -hmm. I've had severe depression, suicidal thoughts. Uh, I've been through extreme pain in a number of cases, autoimmune conditions, car accidents, pituitary tumor, brain tumor. Um, Epstein-Barr virus, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, uh, Hashimoto's, um, yeah, just struggling uh, health-wise in my life. I've been very obese. I've been anorexic. Mm -hmm. I've gone the opposite direction where I was just emaciated and looked like a, a Holocaust victim because I wouldn't eat. 
Um, so I've been through a lot uh, mentally and physically, and my my why is tied up into that. Yeah. That I just want to give back now all the things that I've learned. Um, I've always been a creative person, a researcher, a fairly smart person that would dig in looking for answers on how I can fix myself. And through all that, that's why I have these degrees and certifications. I'd like to say it was just, um, you know, me just wanting to help the world, but it started with me trying to fix myself, becoming an expert at trying to do that, and then wanting to help the world because I've yeah. had great changes in myself. Yeah, and and um, so my listeners obviously know my my role is I'm a psychotherapist, and one of the things I've noticed is your story is very very similar to many that come in through my door, um, and it's kind of what sent me on the, the journey into kind of biohacking and, and getting in touch with um, kind of many, many people in that sphere, but also getting to this stage and, and kind of going, okay, what, what is going on here? Why, why is there such a, um, a health related set of issues that come in through the door along with the mental side of things? You know, why, why do people present with um, lethargy? You know, the, the fatigue that they show isn't always chronic and it seems to tie into a lot of the things that you talked about at the Health Optimization Summit. So I think one of my favorite sentences you said was the one about um, you're supposed to be in flow. So if, if you're doing a job you love, you never work a day in your life. And I thought that's, that's how it is for me. Um, but it's not for my clients. So I'm, I'm kind of interested in, you know, how does, how does everything tie into health? Because for me, we need to stop looking at kind of the surface layer of the diagnoses that I've, I've been trained to work with. So I, there's the big purple book called the DSM-5. And I, I'm supposed to sit with people and go, oh, it looks like you might have this disorder or this problem or this issue. And I don't work in that way. I look at them. What's the story? What is your story? What happened? What what was the impact? How did you make sense of it? And that kind of led me to this health sector. But I'm really interested in what you found, so personally and uh, in your research. The mental is massive. And the reason that I went through probably so many physical issues is because of <clears throat> my depression and and dealing with trauma from from my youth and it's absolutely massive there's there's no doubt that as as the mind goes so goes the body and and you mm -hmm. can dictate your your happiness and they've shown in studies that uh you can live 12 years longer just from being happy yeah there's no biohack that's like that and so just peeling back the layers of the onion for the five whys you know this way of you know, actually getting to the root of why someone wants to do something like you want to lose weight. Well, why, you know, and it's well, because I look fat. Well, why is that? Well, because I was told I was fat. Like, well, why is that? Well, growing up, my father used to always say, you know, that I was chunky. I was his chunky monkey or something. And that always stuck with me like, oh, okay. So we have to address like your father's, you know, way he traumatized you growing up. It's not about losing the weight. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, all that stuff, all these patterns are just beneath the surface with us. 
And we need to go back and address these patterns, deal with these traumas to get better in health. I can tell you, hey, go work out, take some vitamin C, do some sit-ups, you know, whatever, like read these few books. That's mm -hmm. all cool. But you're not dealing with the root trauma, the root cause. And as long as you're not dealing with the root cause, you're not really going to get much success. You're going to have six weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks of work, and then it's, and then you're going to sabotage yourself. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I like to go and use um, something called transactional analysis to talk about the script. So uh, the language of transactional analysis is really helpful. Um, and it's about being able to say to people, okay, so what was the story that, that you started with? Where did it change? What have you been telling yourself? How do you keep reenacting and revisiting? And then what happens, and I love this phrase, that rubber bands you back to that issue. So you might, you might be in your, um, I don't know, say you're an adult and somebody says, hey, chunky monkey, and suddenly you go right. all the way back to that age where, you know, parents aren't always doing it out of... Um, spitefulness i think there's something about if we knew the impact we had as parents early on we might not say some of the things that we do to our children in terms of you know creating these dynamics that you're talking about and it, it for me everything is rooted in childhood um i it, it comes out with a, a lot of the illnesses a lot of the behaviors a lot of the messages that we have and then what it is that we're trying to do in in later life i think freud calls it the repetition compulsion so mm -hmm. we keep trying to fix the thing that we couldn't fix in childhood, but we right. find ways to just keep repeating it, but never solving the problem. Yeah, it's playing those patterns over and over. And those patterns can be helpful in creating you as a person and, and moving us forward in life, some shortcuts um, uh, that we can build on top of. But there can be bad routines in, that, in those patterns that we need to delete. Uh, yeah. And that's very hard. And, and we need to go back to the foundation and fix the foundation of the house instead of continuing to build on the house. So, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm quite interested then in terms of, so I know that you did this blog around Christmas time in terms of, um, so one of the things I noticed just before Christmas is I had a number of clients, particularly adolescents and uh, young adults who had watched a particular documentary and I'm sure you know which one I'm about to name. And they had suddenly decided that, so this was kind of nothing to do with their scripts. This was something that they were being fed in, in the here and now. And it was suddenly, you know, people in partnership saying, well, my boyfriend wants to change to this diet. And, you know, my wife suddenly watched it. And, you know, we've just thrown out everything out of the cupboards and the fridge. And um, so, so what do you think about this idea of, you know, not not so much just the childhood stuff, but now we're being fed this overload of information that people can't make sense of or don't know how to make sense of it. So I, I'm going to name it. It's the Game Changers documentary. Yeah, no, that, that's a great point that um, we're we're empowered more than ever with with the access to information. But we're also more confused than ever because we can't decipher who's an expert and who's not. Mm -hmm. uh, and we have a natural tendency to, to believe the beautiful people and the people that speak really well. And sometimes the eloquent and beautiful aren't the educated ones. Uh, so that's yeah. problematic that there's a lot of voices out there that are, that are getting a chance to speak that probably shouldn't because they can leverage it for financial benefit. Um, 
So that's not surprising that's happening, but it does create a ton of confusion about what what the real science is and what science actually says. So certainly yeah. that's frustrating. Yeah, so I, I find that, that that seems to cross over with the self-help stuff. It's uh, crossing over into the biohacking world. It's crossing into the diets. Um, and, and lots and lots of my clients, if I go to this purple book or, or um, the ICD-11 as it is now, um, I'm finding that I could actually sit and give diagnoses left, right and centre of um, what's now considered disordered eating. So we don't call it eating disorders anymore. It's disordered eating. And, and I'm just thinking about these are the shortcuts that you were referring to in terms of, you know, trying to better ourselves and to get to the place where we feel like we're, you know, we're wanted, we're whole, we're enough, we can connect. We, we feel like we're a, a complete human being. But in that process, we end up going down these journeys, which could actually have such a significant impact on health. Or, and that includes physical as well as mental health later on in life. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, how how do you bring your information because i know um i mean I, I i like critical thinkers and i do i do put you in that category of a critical thinker um, um i introduced you actually to somebody before christmas and that was what they came back and said oh my god it's a balanced it's a balanced argument and it's it, it seems to be like a, a very few people actually do that at the moment there's there's like this overladen of um well one research says and i think i commented the other day one research doesn't make a theory but we're, right. we're in this place at the moment where we're, we're getting this plethora of information. So how do, you, how do you bring your information to people? Yeah, I do it through my website and through uh, social media. Um, and I'm building on that quite a bit. And I'm working on a book right now that I'm, uh, I just finished the first draft of uh, called The the energy formula that will be out in the not too distant future. Um, but you know, what you're talking about is something I pride myself on is that, that balanced argument. And I feel like politically I am libertarian, which is kind of in the middle and um, religiously I'm just agnostic, which is just somewhere in the middle. And, you know, I'm just someone like scientifically we should be searching Science is about the search, but yet you never actually find the truth. The truth is for, to me, is like religious dogma. I mean, I don't want to get into, you know, too much. But in science, you never actually get fact. You never actually get scientific proof. People that use those terms are marketers. Uh -huh. And any good study ends with, in this certain case, in this scenario, with these certain people, we had statistics that averaged this, but there was wide variation in, and we had people drop out. And mm -hmm. this is what we found yeah. directionally. And then we can talk, we can have a discussion on what that means and where we should go with the next set of data and the next study. Yeah. But there's no definitive conclusion on any study. There's no such thing. There's no seven and a half billion person study that covers all of it. And that's just not the way science works. Well, I, absolutely. Even, even the hard sciences. So I, I, often, I often say to my kids, the only thing you can prove is bread. So they, they will, you know, they're, they're in their 20s now. And we're having a lot of these, let's call them discussions. They might be a bit heated at times about um, 
so my my eldest son is quite into his fitness and wants to look at you know using different diets the youngest one tells me what i'm doing is completely uh, irresponsible and he he totally disagrees with what i'm doing and i brought them up to be critical thinkers and quite often they'll say well here's here's the proof this you know this study proves x y and z which it doesn't because we've got we've got the whole yeah the whole world in terms of the billions of people that what we're looking at is even in and i'm just thinking about your qualifications here going all the way down to that biochemistry level even in the cases where you are looking at something and it might be a single cell that's only that single cell in that particular environment at that point in time on that particular day for the purposes that you're doing that experiment or test as it is and the following day it might actually be different somehow because every single cell is different let alone the fact we've got 7.9 billion people on, on the planet so i think this is what you'd said about the game changer um documentary was that the way the studies were reported was cherry picked so i don't know did you watch the joe rogan debate about I it with, i i had to keep stopping it and there was a big discussion in the house it was really interesting because joe rogan kind of got research and he was actually on um chris cress's side at times and saying you know well actually he's he's not saying that to you and and it was just a fascinating for me as a therapist fascinating discussion and i think chris cress came across very well as far as i'm concerned but that's not how i'm seeing the community kind of um interpreting it so well he decided to go carnivore this whole month and i did notice he's doing that he's <laughs> ever felt so yeah he's he's currently talking about his um uh, uh let's call it toileting habits i yep. think that was the, po that was the post that's i saw the, the other day do, but you adjust to that over time yeah um so okay so in terms of um so what what i what i'd really like to get to to with you because i know this is your your um interest area for me when you were talking about mitochondria so for, so I'm, I'm currently in the process not understanding as you do at, at your level of understanding because i've come over from physics and um neuroscience and i'm now into kind of the biochemistry i'm at the beginning um talking about mitochondria because i think that's that's essentially what us therapists need to be doing and for the first time ever i heard at a conference a couple of months ago one therapist um she's actually a neuroscientist said i think we need to be looking at mitochondria and and i was actually sat in the audience going no shit no shit this is what we you know this is what we need to be doing so do you want to kind of introduce the listeners the viewers to mitochondria why it's so important why this i think you called it ice um so in, insufficient cellular energy yeah. is going to be the new uh, is going to be the new way that we're all dealing with health in terms of and i'm thinking near enough every single profession yeah exactly i it will be the focus of health um and mito mitochondrial health mitochondrial dysfunction is the reason for most disease states um chronic disease states and it's also the reason for most biological aging so, uh, mitochondria to back up are organelles in the cells, right? And and they create cellular energy in the form of ATP, adenosine triphosphate. I love the Star Wars cup, by the way. Um, oh, thank you. Have you read the mitochondria book? Um, what's his name? John No. 
that's he talks about he talks about mitochondria with the star wars reference it's brilliant <laughs> yes that exact one so yeah so anyway <laughs> uh mitochondria um and you're right we can run into states of insufficient cellular energy which is an acronym known as ice where we're not making enough energy um as much as we need so there's a, a disparity and then you run into mitochondrial dysfunction mm -hmm. and then you start having situations of glycation which is blood sugar damage inflammation and oxidation and it's creating damage throughout the body because you can't create enough energy that you need and these mitochondria are functioning suboptimally and there's not enough of them when you do keto, when you eat healthy, when you have a healthy mind, when you have lower stress, then you can get into situations where one, the mitochondria function better. And then two, you can also do mitochondrial biogenesis where you create more mitochondria. So now you have more cellular engines creating energy. But this, this is going to be a critical way to assess aging energy and overall risk for all chronic diseases mm -hmm. so one of the best things i could tell you that like we could reshape medicine with is looking at a few labs looking at hemoglobin a1c for uh blood sugar because blood glucose is too transient unless you had like a cgm like a continual glucose monitor and you could look at all the actual data points but any given point is just too transient. So hemoglobin A1C, um, CRP, C-reactive protein for inflammation, and then something like uh, oxidized LDL. There's, there's a number that you could choose for looking at like systemic oxidation. And those are the ways like I could tell you like if we were looking on, a, on some kind of Fitbit or you know some kind of Apple iWatch, uh, at this kind of stuff, those three markers, I could tell you, you aged this much today, biologically, mm -hmm. you increased your risk for chronic diseases, this much cancer, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, this much today, heart disease. They're all, all correlated to mitochondrial dysfunction. And we're seeing uh, insulin resistance be a part of that mitochondrial dysfunction, right? So, yeah. um, and insulin resistance we're seeing tied to almost all these chronic diseases as well. So, um, you know, acute uh, insulin resistance happens when we don't get enough sleep and we see uh, our, our brain cells function less optimally. They don't fire as well. Um, we see um, that you're more apneic, that your, your uh, heart isn't functioning as well. Um, so you run into coronary heart disease, you run into, um, you run into cancer, um, which is propagated from, uh, blood sugar being elevated a majority of the time. There's some that are driven by estrogen, but largely cancer is driven by, uh, insulin resistance. We're seeing Alzheimer's be type three diabetes, right? PCOS is, is like ovarian diabetes essentially. So mm -hmm. we're all this stuff like we've made it so complicated for years but um 
it's really the fact that we're not dual fuel anymore. We don't use ketones well anymore because we don't go into ketosis either through, you know, eating like a, a high, high moderate protein, high fat diet, or by doing fasting or by doing enough exercise or by eating um, low glycemic, uh, high resistant starch carbohydrates, um, you know, all these different types of things that would have been normal where we would have probably been in ketosis 50% of the time. And now we're in ketosis 0% of the time and always dependent on glucose. Um, so that's the problem is that we're running into insulin resistance and we're getting more mitochondrial dysfunction. We have insufficient cellular energy states. We're feeling tired. We're getting more disease. We're getting more autoimmune issues, we're getting more autism. We're getting more of these things as a result of not having enough proper energy. So, yeah, I, I was going to ask you about the the uh, the links between autism. So I've been reading around quite a lot of the um, quite a lot of the issues around methylation and um, autism. But the, I'm going to come back a step and go. So how how do well, basically, what I am asking you is how do I persuade my profession to start taking dieting? in terms of food, nutrition, seriously. So I was sent, was it two days ago? My um, functional medicine GP sent me a study and said, you know, have you seen this? Um, and it was a study done in Harvard um, that said uh, nutritional psychiatry will be the future. And I thought, but it's got to be more than, more than this. We've got to be looking at, particularly like you've said, the markers that show where the body actually needs the help or what actually is starting to to deviate because at this point in time i think i i sit with so many clients and the first thing that i do is i ask about stress i ask about sleep and then i go and how often are you toileting what are you eating you know what's your diet look like particularly for children who do have eating disorders so if they are sent to me with um anorexia or bulimia then i will be sitting and those are the first questions that i kind of go through and yet when I was teaching yesterday to therapists, we're taught to talk. We're, we're not taught to ask these questions that go into that much broader aspect of um, a person's life. So how, how do I get my profession to actually start taking nutrition um, and, you know, oxidative stress, um, you know, C-reactive protein? I mean, how do, how do I even get them to start to listen? Which you might not have an answer for that. That might have been personally driven just then. <laughs> yeah, that's tough. I mean, what I'm seeing right now is, like you mentioned, methylation is is very interesting um, with regards to DNA and and cancer and autism. Um, also, gut microbiome seems to be tied into um, so many of these disease states. Mm. Um, we're also seeing the cannabinoid system be tied into a number of disease states and then mitochondrial function, like I said, and cellular energy. And right now I feel like these things are driving and, and I'll just say insulin resistance as well. If yeah. you know, that's tied into everything. So if I was to look at like those five things, um, you know, methylation, uh, gut microbiome, um, mitochondria and cellular energy, mm -hmm. Um, you know, those, uh, insulin resistance and then 
I'll say inflammation. Like if we were to like look at all those things, like that's that's going to be your disease risk. That's going to be your aging. That's like going to be the reason for uh, everything. Like it's it's fairly simple. Um, it, it's massive. I mean, and you can correlate like diseases to all those things. So. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, I, I yeah. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. In in my profession, and this actually is how I got into to biohacking. Um, so in about what was it, 2011, 2012, something like that. Somebody said talking about trauma, and on a training day, and the person giving the the lecture said, um, "Yeah, trauma." Basically, it creates methylation of DNA. And I said, "Okay, what is that? How does that work?" And they didn't have the answer to be able to explain it to me because they didn't understand what methylation actually was. And that's how I ended up in the, the biohacking sphere. And yet we've been taught about lengths of telomeres. We've been taught, but we don't get taught, if you like, how to talk to clients about you can do this to, you know, there is a um, an enzyme called telomerase and you can actually increase it by doing this, this and this. It's almost like we're given the outside version of what what the issues might be but then no, no detail, there's no substance to what we're being taught. So I'm, I'm just thinking about the conversations that we're having here are, for me, absolutely fantastic. And this is why I'm doing this podcast. I really want people to be able to take what the kind of stuff you do and apply it to their practice. But I'm not so sure we have enough substance to understand what it is that you're talking about. Yeah, but you know, like, I mean, I can get into like, sure, like what, you know, telomerase uh, uh, inhibitors or, or whatever you can take or HDAC inhibitors or, you know, some of these really specific pathways. But like I was telling you, if you choose happy, you live 12 years longer. People that have purpose live about 20 years longer. Mm -hmm. um, the blue zones, people are trying to uh, drill down into like diet and wine and all these different things. And the fact is the diets um, vary pretty dramatically. The, the biggest thing in common is that they slow down, that they have communal time, like two, three hour meals, and they prep their own food. They yeah. eat whole food and they sit down together without devices and interact and laugh and cry and share mm -hmm. and go through therapy on a daily basis and they have people they feel like they can depend on and they're deeply connected to and that gives you purpose that gives you a tribe you know so yeah. those like those would outweigh like quality of relationships eating whole food and slowing down um you know having purpose choosing happiness like these things are going to be way more massive than any supplements or any things I can tell you like biochemistry wise. Well, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah because, and, and this is where I'm now going to talk in my, in my kind of realm. Um, even yesterday I said, what, what do we do as therapists? And I got loads of cognitive answers about we provide this and we do this. And I said, no, no, the most simple concept we do is we connect heart to heart. That's what we do. And if, if you can give somebody that, then you you create this this space where they can actually do all of what you've just talked about there, the laughing, the crying, connecting with themselves and go into 
going to those places to then heal those traumas that have been so pernicious that you know they've they've carried them for a long long time and obviously well not obviously because you don't know this but i i work with children and i work with you know very very small infants all the way up through to people in their 70s and 80s but most of the work that i do is child trauma and i work with children who are going through it so it's it's about providing that um so there's a study by bruce perry um and he looks at you know um the impact of trauma and it's been again misreported that's one of those things about research misreported that if you don't get connection and you have neglect your brain doesn't um grow in the same way as a child who does get these connections and actually i'm more concerned about what happens in terms of everything else it isn't just about brains because actually we're a whole body composite and you need the whole body to be in contact with another person and that other person's magnetic resonance it goes well on to you know i could go really hippie on you here but it mm -hmm. goes all the way through to this is what this is what being a human is is being in that tribe and i'm just wondering as we veer away from the health a second what do you think to the idea of um because this comes up at my training all the time the idea that we're not as connected anymore because of this technology so i know that's part and partial of your kind of remit when you're speaking and talking to people yes exactly that totally is it and and i'll say one of the ways that we're also not connecting as deeply is we don't connect with ourselves as deeply we don't take time out to to pray, to meditate, to have quiet time, to be quote unquote bored and mm -hmm. work through it. Yeah. I mean, the second we feel not entertained, we pick up our phone and you see this everywhere. Like someone's at a restaurant, someone's, you know, at the airport, whatever. It's just the phone is in their hand the whole time entertaining them and they can't go inside themselves and do some quiet work. However that looks. Mm -hmm. Um, but yes, it's distracting in our relationships too. And even just having the, the phone out on the table means that the phone has some level of priority over the relationships at the table. You're, you're psychologically saying that. Yeah. So you need to put the phone away turn the phone off, have some focused quality time where you deeply connect with people. I mean, we always want people that treat us so well and we want people that are good friends and people mm -hmm. that listen when we're struggling and really get to know us. And I mean, it's all about being a great listener. So you want great friends, you have to give that to them in return. You have to be a great listener. You have to be attuned to them and tune the world out, tune your phone out, tune any distractions out and have truly focused quality time. Mm -hmm. And if you wanna use your phone, have focused quality time with your phone. If you wanna watch TV, have focused quality time with your TV. Yeah. And you'll have better TV as a result. You'll have better use of your phone as a result. You'll have better workouts as a result. If you just devote focused time to that one thing instead of staying distracted and doing a hundred things horribly. Um, yes, I've been listening, again, uh, listening to lots of different podcasts as well, so that there's lots of um, information that I'm interested in, so I'm really kind of um, thinking about the people that I work with. Taking, you know, that taking time out, taking time in is really difficult because as, as children, one of the things I have noticed, so I really like um, Dan Siegel's approach and he's, he's talked about why time in is something that children 
need to learn how to do by themselves rather than being forced to take time out, which often happens in, in lots of parenting moments. Um, and it's, you know, it's done with the best of intentions, but again, it's one of those things that events that creates trauma and, you know, it's when a child is dysregulated. Um, so I spend, I spend a lot of time sitting with parents going, okay, this is, this is okay that we're sitting here and we're not, we're not doing much because, you know, I quite often get that. You don't really do much, Kath, in terms of playing with the children. And I go, actually, it's about having the moments when we don't do anything and being, you know, that, that just sitting quietly. Um, and I don't think that's provided in a lot of spaces and places anymore because I'm not sure we know how to do that anymore. Well, I mean, that's your opportunity to do deep, creative thinking and to be mm. And it's also your opportunity to break through some of those patterns mm -hmm. and them. Now you can reinforce those patterns being quiet and you can break those patterns being quiet, but it's done usually by being quiet, like through meditation and you can do it by, um, you know, having like daily affirmations, you know, things that you're saying, like where you want to be, who you want to be, like what you want to do with your life, just say those over and over, over and over and speak them into power. Because, you know, what we say is what we believe and that's where we'll, we'll go. Yeah. So you're saying things typically over and over to yourself, whether you hear the voice or not, that's usually self-limiting and very negative. If we, you know, we like the way we talk to ourselves, if anyone talked to us like that, we wouldn't be their friend. Yeah. It's, so, it's horrific. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. And, and we, we only allow people in our lives um, that to treat us essentially how we treat ourselves. Like the, whoever this worst person is in your life, it's because you're allowing that and that's what you believe you deserve on some level. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if you loved yourself more, that person wouldn't be in your life. Yes. So I'm now, I'm now thinking, I've shot off on a tangent because that's in uh, Vishen Lakhiani's book, isn't it? About the people that you surround yourself with. Uh, that's who you become the sum of. I'm sure mm -hmm. Jim Quick says it as well. So I'm, I'm, uh, there is this kind of narrative where I'm, I'm trying to sit with people in, in therapy, kind of giving them a little bit about what you're saying there. But then I'm also listening to them going, yeah, I can understand that totally, Kath. I'll sit and meditate for 10 minutes in the morning, but then I'm going to go and eat 12 cheeseburgers. Um, we don't have Twinkies over here as much as you do in the US. So it's, it's they'll go across and they'll just eat chocolate bars and they come in the following week going, do you know, I still feel crap. And, and I'm, I'm sitting going, this is really difficult because there's this dichotomy where mentally they want to move into a place of health and well-being and optimal performance and flow. And yet, their life seems to take them in a different direction. You know, they might be in a toxic relationship, a toxic workplace. Um, the food that they eat is, you know, the fast food. It's the, the fats that are no good for them. Um, and I'm, I'm just thinking about how, how do we sit with these people to resolve this issue? When, you know, you I can think, come from your aspect. Yeah, making out a list of what lights you up and what doesn't, what gives you energy and what doesn't. Yeah that will transform your health. It'll transform your mind. If you start chasing the things that give you energy versus take energy from you. If you put all your quote unquote obligations down, which are all made up, 
uh, in your head. They're not actually obligations. The things we believe we have to do, we don't. But make your list of all the things that you believe you have to do, all these things that you're doing in your life, some of the things that you feel like you've missed out on, some things that you'd like to pursue, hobbies, dreams. Make a list of everything and say, does this, when I read this, do I feel lit up or do I feel drained? And then start thinking through why that is. Are there people that are, that are draining associated with that thing that you have to do? You know, you have to start choosing your people very wisely that you put around you as well. Yeah. Uh, you are the product of the, the five people or so that are around you. So don't let them be happenstance. Don't let them be your neighbors or your coworkers or just whoever Joe is in the house. Like consciously choose these five people, the people that you want to emulate, you want to be like. And of course, you have to give to them. You have to give like, and be that good friend to them, be that good listener to them, be that mentor to them. Mm -hmm. You can't just have people around you that you're taking from because that's that's not healthy and they won't be there for long for that. Yeah. So, um, I think it's important that you have purpose, surround yourself with the right people, choose happiness, um, eat whole food. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and make that list of what lights you up and what doesn't and pursue the things that light you up. Absolutely. I think that's really lovely how you've said that. Are you, are you aware of Rick Hansen? No. So he's a neuroscientist, he's a neuroscientist and psychologist, um, but he's also a Buddhist and he, one of the methods that you're talking about there is um, one I share with my clients and we talk about that just, just one thing. He has this method called just one thing and you begin every day and it's, it's a gratitude practice where you start with just one thing and what you find is very quickly you can't limit it to just one thing. So you know, I might give an example to my client, you know, I'm really glad the toilet flushed this morning. So it's, it's like inject a little bit of humor. We talk about, thank God that the, the water system's completely working because, you know, nobody wants to have that in a morning all the way through to thank God I'm alive. And then what you do is you then kind of take it and you make it a little bit bigger. But he's also got a process called heal, which is you have an experience, you embody it, you, um, you activate it and you link it to something which is traumatic because what we do tend to do is have those, like, like you were saying, talking to ourselves, we have those negative affirmations. We have to do this. We've got to do that. Um, and the what ifs, we kind of get stuck in so many loops and not realizing that actually it's a negative thinking pattern. And, you know, just taking your advice there for the listeners that, you know, listen to what Sean said, actually, because he's given you such valuable insight there into how you can make those micro changes and if you make a small change now, within a year, it's a huge change. It's, it's really about incrementality. Yeah, and it's important with your what ifs, if we change those from negative what ifs to positive what ifs. Like mm -hmm. where, where, you know, like what if they all laugh at me when I get up on stage to what if they all have, uh, you know, deep personal changes and feel incredibly connected to what I said when I'm on stage, mm -hmm. like, what right, if I right. deny them that? Like, you know, yeah. like it's my obligation in this case to change lives, to get up there and get past my ego and try and change lives. Yeah. Actually, you, I'm, I'm sure it was, was it you that said that on the, I'm sure it was you that said uh, that your, your negative, your negative experiences have allowed you to connect with other people. 
I was in, I'm sure that was you that said that. Yeah. It yeah, might well have, yeah. My broken is my beautiful. Like that yeah. just. Yes. Yeah. I've, uh, I've been, I've been through so much crap and that's, that's what, that's what connects me. That's what, that's why I care. That's why I have empathy. Mm-hmm. That's what people care about too. They don't want, you know, Mr. Perfect to try and tell them about whatever, like they want someone who's actually been through it, who's hurt as well. Yeah. So now instead of suppressing all this stuff and saying, you know, I'm perfect. I'm a sports nutrition dietitian, living perfect life. That's not me. Like I'm struggling. I've, I've been through hell. And so I'm here to tell you about that. I think that's what makes you so human and endearing in terms of that's, that's why, you know, like I said to you beforehand, there was a couple of talks I wanted to go to at the health optimization summit. And, you know, there are people who I'm going to say, actually, this is a technology thing when you see them on, um, on Instagram. So I, and I'm, I'm going to talk about it now. I um, decided one afternoon to take the train down to London based on the fact that Jim Quick said, I'm going to hold a meetup. Never done it before. I'm going to have a meetup. And there's something about knowing authenticity. And when, when I traveled down there, he said, you know, are you from London? And I said, no, I just got on the train today. And it was about 300 miles or something. And he said, you know, just, just to come here. I went, yeah. Because actually there is something about there are authentic people out there. And for me, I, I call them my, my people. But the thing is, is, we're all my people, but some people just don't know how to do it just yet. Mm-hmm. I think there's a, there's a transitional period and we are becoming, I am very optimistic. I think we are all moving into a place where we're becoming more empathic, more tolerant. You know, it doesn't look like that if you pay attention to the news but I do think that there are more positivistic movements and people connecting in such a lovely way. I agree. I love mm. that. It's, well, it's why I'm doing the podcast. I did set out and it was a bit ego driven about actually I can share loads of knowledge. And then it became actually what the hell are you doing, Kath? And I had a rethink before Christmas, made a few changes and said, actually, this, this has always been about I have all of this knowledge and I can share it with one person in my therapy room, but that's not doing a justice to the people that could listen that might be in their car on the day that actually today they think about taking those pills, driving off the uh, the edge of a cliff. You know, this is, this is what I hope to do. And it's why I became a therapist in the first place. Yeah, exactly. And I'm someone who's contemplated suicide several times and, um, yeah, that's I've I've dealt with that before, just not wanting to live. And um, you know, I think people that are deep feelers and people that are intelligent um, can sometimes struggle with this the worst. You know, we see the you think the people that would be super happy. You know, like um, Chester Bennington of Lincoln Park, Chris Cornell of Soundgarden, um, Chris Farley, like. John Belushi, you know, like a lot of these people that, you know, these actors or comedians or musicians that are intelligent and creative, they struggle uh, with like an inner dialogue. Um, And it's, I think people connect to them because they relate to that inner dialogue. Mm -hmm. And And, you know, like that comes through in the music, that comes through in the comedy, that comes through in the acting. Um, But it's it's a sadness when they're by themselves. Um, 
it's just yeah it's a real thing for sure that that we you know we tend to think we know who's you know the suicidal ones and it's like like these you know lonely kids these goth kids that are you know dressed in black and yeah you know on the fringes of society and it's just not the case like it's sometimes the most popular people that are definitely connecting on a deep level um yeah they just have powerful emotions they have powerful creative thoughts and and life can be greater for them they can feel more but it can also hurt more yeah i um, i have noticed that there's um we call it compassion fatigue or bur you know uh, burnout it's known as in in other professions but compassion fatigue or vicarious trauma actually uh, we therapists the ones who have been so i always say um I've actually got a sign that somebody got me that says, I don't know where I'm going, but I'm going, are you coming with me? And, and lots of my clients will go, what does that mean? And I go, do you know what? It means I've been to the bottom of my abyss. So wherever you go, I'll go. I've been there. I've done it. I've tasted it. And wherever you go, I will go with you. But at the same time, I don't know where that's going to be. And yeah. it's really quite, quite difficult for people to go. I, I don't want, you know, it's, um, I'm just going to use a TA terminology here. We have what we call target doors, open doors, and then the trap door. And the trap door is that place you do not want to go. And that's, that's the hardest place to be. And actually that's where, you know, everybody has their trap door. Everybody has one. And it's about, okay, so what, you know, what is in that trap door? What's down there? Because I'll tell you what, it's not as scary when you've got somebody to go there with you. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, one of the things I'm hoping with this podcast and just with everything that I'm doing and people like you do is that we we take that considered disconnect and we make we make people less lonely. That actually they have, you know, just by listening to your podcast in, in what you're saying here, Sean, they might go to your website, they might see something that you've said and then they might reach out to you and that becomes something that, you know, has been facilitated just by us having this conversation. Exactly. And so... I think one of the, we talked about with the blue zones, um, one of the aspects of living the longest is the inner dialogue, the connection with friendships and relationships, deep quality relationships, having a purpose. But if you look at the antithesis of that is not having purpose, mm -hmm. not having quality friendships, your inner dialogue being deeply broken and harmful. And so like, what does that look like? And that looks like depression and suicidal thoughts. Mm -hmm. And that's why you see like, like I can tell you the positive and like why those people live the longest, but we should take a step back and look at what the opposite looks like and why those people would live the shortest. Uh, and why their health would be deeply affected by their mind state. Yeah, there's there's a study done with, um, oh, what was it, with Cress, I think it was, where people were, um, so the experiment was, um, and it's not a good experiment in terms of robustness and um, reproducibility. However, I do get clients to go and do this if they're really interested, to put two jars on their windowsill, and every morning they go and pick one up and they say really lovely things to it, and then they pick the other one up and they just think horrible thoughts about you know, what's going on in the jar. And you will actually find the way we transmit energy, the ones that are cared for, the crest begins to... Um, you know, produce itself, come out nice and green, and the other one is, has been 
you know, it just doesn't grow in the same way. Yeah. And it makes sense. I mean, that's if I think with all living beings, that's, that's the case. If we mm -hmm. pour positive energy into it or, or negative energy into it, it'll be affected. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention was you had brought it up before was the, the hustle and flow thing. I do believe like the way people are working is often killing them too. When mm -hmm. we're taught to hustle and grind, like from the Gary V's of the world. And that's kind of like sympathetic meets even more sympathetic nervous system. <laughs> it's ang it's hustle. angry. <laughs> the hustle, which is sympathetic, which is like, you know, get out there and, you know, fight or flight. But then grind and, and grind is a word that means you're heating up, you're breaking down, things are breaking off and apart and, and your head's down and you're not even like enjoying life. You're not connecting with people and hustle and grind is just a terrible way to teach people to work mm -hmm. uh, like that. You can grind your way to success. I mean, every now and then you'll, you'll have to put your head down for sure. But most of the time we should be in this hustle and flow state where we're seeking points where it's joy. Like it's mm -hmm. the joy of purpose. It's the joy of the relationships. It's the joy of having the right people around you. It's the joy of, of creativity and positive things that you're saying to yourself. And that's your work. Yeah. yeah. You hit like this point of Zen slash flow state where things all come together and things feel perfect. Like this is what I'm supposed to do. And so there should be periods of hustle where you got to get out there and you know do some work sympathetic but flow should be a parasympathetic where your nervous system relaxes and says this is this is what we're supposed to be doing yeah it, it for me it totally is which um so people say how come how come you do so much cap so i was like i've got therapy i'm doing this later on i'm off to the gym then i've got da, 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 da. Now, because actually i know how to take downtime and i also know if I'm doing something I love, I'm, I'm not in that what Jamie Wheel calls hustle porn. You know, I'm not in that place where I think I have to make an achievement because it's about what somebody else wants. It's, for me, it's all about getting into the state of, you know, pretty much like you were just sat just then. <laughs> the extended, the extended flow state. Yeah. So it's not it's not tightened because that's that's the thing about the sympathetic system, isn't it? Is you're tightened, you're restricted, your cells don't have the ability to move around freely, your thinking's restricted, uh, you're not in a rest and digest state. It's it's all my favourite theory, polyvagal. So it's it's all about me teaching my clients how to get into that position, that place, and that space. So yeah, I am totally with you on this hustle porn and you know grind till grind till there's nothing left. I, I actually that's the narrative that comes in my therapy therapy room and I go why what right. who says who right. says you've got to do this and and actually it generally is what we call an injunction it's a voice from childhood one that says that you have to because if you don't xyz exactly and I just experienced this by doing a plant medicine journey uh, over New Year's that really opened up my eyes to a lot of the patterns that I've set inside myself I think especially being a man and a man that's been through some trauma and there's a lot of that masculine energy around uh, achievement. Mm -hmm. That's like you're like a woman gets judged quite a bit on beauty, right or wrong. And, and men get judged on 
what's your job? How much money do you make? Oh, it's, and, it's yeah, it's success and perfectionism. It's, and, it, and, it, and it breaks you down. And, and you think, like, I was in the state where I hit this realization where my heart was open and I was just loving people and I was connecting and feeling love. And, and then I'm like, why am I working so hard? Why am I pushing so much to achieve, to level up to like when this is the feeling I want just to be loved mm -hmm. and I, just to realize that and feel that in that moment. It was like, wow. Okay. <laughs> you can chill out a little bit. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's very hard for particularly for me. And I will totally agree with you. Actually, it's the, it's the societal masculinity message. Mm -hmm. And I spend a lot of time with, um, you know, with males saying, okay, why, why do you have to perform at that level? So that could be business, um, career, it could be sports, it could be sex, it could be you, whatever it is. They, you have they, to they, they, you have they, to yeah, you've got to win, you've got to win and don't ever show any kind of um, yeah. weakness. And, and yet, I kind of see that the weakness is the courage. It's the weakness to go, hang on a bloody minute. This is not me. And I can't do all of that anymore because to be, to be the person who is well-rounded, you've got to have all aspects. It's, right. it's a very gestalt kind of thing that I do with um, clients in, in that aspect is when you do take that step back and you go, hold on a minute, what the fuck have I been doing? Right. Exactly. It's so, it's so emancipating. Exactly. I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, that was a huge reset button mm -hmm. uh, to actually feel that love, um, to feel my heart be open and to know this is what I want out of life and has nothing to do with achievement. So, and you know, that was a really genuine, authentic smile that you had there. <laughs> That's me just uh, sorry. Sometimes I can't, I can't help, but not tell people when I see something really positive. Well, thank you. I appreciate that was, it. That was so, that was so lovely. And I wish, I'm, I'm going to send people now, if you're listening to this on the audio, go and watch this on the YouTube. I know people don't watch YouTube. It's really interesting um, in terms of the kind of things that people do and don't watch. I notice people tend to listen more to the podcast than anything else. But that was, that was a, um, a very nice moment there, Sean. That was, yeah, that was, I could actually see you go into coherence. Oh, thanks, Kat. I appreciate that. Well, it's kind of people are going, what the bloody hell is she talking about now? But uh, there is something about in the training that I've done, I kind of do sit and watch people's bodies, their faces that, yeah. So I watch, I watch for the shoulder shrugs, the shoulder sighs, and the, the moment that people really mean what they're saying. Mm -hmm. One of the, one of the most amazing things too, is like, uh, when you hug someone and then there's that, I don't know, like 30, 40, 50, 60 seconds in when they finally just like yield mm -hmm. and they just let like the guard down and they just like have the deep sigh. Yeah. And you, you hug your way through it, but it's, it's the most amazing and transformative thing, like to really connect with someone and and for them to feel like you've got them and that they can be vulnerable around you is to just hug your way through it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in, in the role that I'm in, well, I'm not, I'm not allowed to touch or hug clients uh, because I work with children and everything. So it's about, I have to do that by regulating what's going on in, in, internally. And sometimes that's really difficult when you've got a child who's running around breaking everything and I've got to go, okay, I need to be the regulator here. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it is a way. It is a way of actually kind of resonating. 
and and that's what happens you know in terms of a lot of the research when you do get close to somebody there's a load of neurotransmitters and you know you've probably heard of oxytocin being the cuddle hormone actually for males you produce something called vasopressin as well and that's the one that you connect with but you see this is again that misreporting of research where they go oh, it's oxytocin this oxytocin that um it is a powerful neurotransmitter, but the one that you know males produce is vasopressin in in more, so they they connect. And again, that's just a difference in terms of how you're kind of um, established, if you like, in your early childhood. Isn't vasopressin also antidiuretic hormone? Um, the other I, name. I think so. Yeah. I think so. See, I do I do all of my research in one rep. It's like this dopamine hit thing. Mm -hmm. So I am just going to mini rant when you see people going oh it's a dopamine hit for addiction and they go actually if you look at the, the circuitry the neurotransmitters involved in interpersonal connection you'll find it's all the same ones that are classified in terms of uh, reward circuitry because if you listen to what we've been saying today the reward we get from interpersonal connection is the reward we're all seeking we are social creatures Mm -hmm. yeah, that's I mean that's why the podcast is called cyber synapse because we have a social synapse and I've I've kind of gone actually there is that we can still have the same uh, it's slightly different because obviously we're heads on sticks or shoulders and above but you can still have that connection with people through technology yeah that's true mm. well, this is fun wow um I didn't even pay attention to the time and we've done about an hour so I, I am going to, from from the bottom of my heart, Sean, thank you. This didn't go in the direction I thought it would. I thought we'd be talking more about diet and, you know, the keto. and But thank you. This has been real in-depth personal connection. Well, uh, you're welcome, one. And, and for two, I'm always uh, uh, welcome to to come back if you want. And um, I can I can talk about the other subjects then. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. When I've done when I've done enough ranting at my profession and taught them, I'm hopefully going to do a conference this year where I show them it's a bit more than just, as I saw in a conference, take turmeric for trauma. It's a little bit more than that. <laughs> it was it was a jest towards what we need to be doing, and I said, yeah, it's a bit more than that. So I I would love that. And obviously, I know you're very very busy. So thank you, thank you for taking this time. Yeah, hundred percent. All right. Well, have a great day and. I'll look forward to uh, when this releases. Thank you. All right. This podcast was edited by Rory Kavanagh, an audio enthusiast and music producer.